0: and thanks for joining us on the Christian Celebration Center podcast. Our prayer is that this audio will encourage you in Christ and challenge you from God's word. Enjoy the message. Yeah. Wow, it is good to be here. A couple of things just before I start and before I even introduce my wife. That worship song, Jesus is the Healer. Oh, Oh. you don't know this, but after I came last time, I had a bout with cancer Stage four, I couldn't walk up steps, couldn't drive my car. Went to my doctor for the first time. He said, Paul, Patty was with me. He says, See all this white in this PAT scan? He said, That's all cancer. He says, You're so sick, I can't help you. But this doctor, this doctor, listen to me, he said, uh, he said Paul, I can't do anything for you, but I have a church that has a healing room. Would you go get prayed for? It? Yeah, I didn't go. I didn't go. <laughs> I said, Your faith is enough. To say that to me as a doctor, 12 years later, booyah, come on. Okay, wait, wait, wait. He's not only a healer. He's not only a healer of your body, but he's a healer of your home. See, you don't know this either. 1979, my wife and I had been estranged for three years. Already three years. We're hippies. And uh, I walk into this church, an AG church to prove them that they're a bunch of wackos. And they were. They're a bunch of wackos. They were speaking in tongues and raising their hands. I loved it. And I got saved. And I'm in there. I told my wife, went by and told her. She was living with another guy. I was living with another girl. That all split up. And I went over to see her and say, hey, man, I got saved. She said, you're such a liar. (laughs) 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 Two months later, she gets invited to church. I'm talking about this God that heals. Fifty-five churches in this hippie community. And my wife walks in the church that I was at. She saw me and says, This has to be in the cult. Paul's here. <laughs> but anyway, she got saved. God is a healer. And I, I don't know if that's for somebody today if you're sick, or if your marriage is on the rocks, or your children are astray. God is the healer. Amen. First of all, I, I just want to say thank you, Pastor Keith and Lacey, for loving us, for having us here. You guys are the bomb. You guys are the best. And, and you, you got a crew that just blows our mind. Man, uh, when we were asked to come not long ago, uh, we got a packet in the mail. Usually when we get invited to go somewhere, we'll get a little brochure or something. Oh, no, not CCC. No, we got, we got a folder, a folder with about 15 pages. In that, Christine and Pat, you guys are the best, man. Thank you. You got the best pastors in your, in your, in your missions. And, but it didn't stop there. No, didn't stop there. <laughs> Barney and Marco, they come down and they get us and they take us to dinner. They treat us so good. I'm telling you, it's awesome. Not only that, we have our own liaison. Our own liaison through your missions department with Stephanie and Wes. They call us or email us. How can we pray for you? Man, I have never been a part of a church in the 20-something years as a missionary such as your church. You guys are the bomb. You guys are the best. Man, Give yourself an applaud. Would you do that? Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, one more time. I'm going to uh, not preach at you. I'm just going to tell you what we do and what we've done and where we're going. I want to talk about us a little bit, Patty and I a little bit, so you know why we do what we do. But I have a couple of scriptures. I like them both because they, they really benefit me. Don't you like scriptures that benefit you? Huh? You guys are quiet. This is an AG church, right? You guys are a little quiet for me this morning. It says this. and <laughs> I sold this from Tommy Barnett. If you don't know Tommy Barnett, he is my hero. God I love that guy. Anyway, he says this all the time. In Proverbs 19 18, I'm reading out a different translation. He does King James. I'm doing new King James. I'm a newer generation. And uh, he says this he says, at 17, he says, He who has pity on the poor lends to God. You know what it means when you lend to somebody? They're indebted to you. They're indebted to you. And he says, those who love or give to the poor, you lend to God. I hate to say this, but God owes me. Isn't that weird to say that? Oh, I didn't say it. He said it. I lent to him. This is not a prosperity doctor, and it isn't whatsoever, but he says it here. He will pay back what has been given. I don't have a salary. Well, I have Social Security. I guess that's a salary. And I, I take a little bit of money from the church. I don't take it. I mean, I don't go with a gun or anything. I know they, they volunteer, give me a little money from the church. But, but my point is that, that um, God is our supplier, is he not? And when you're in the mission field, whether you're in Mongolia or if you're in China or if you're in the United States, you have to rely on God. And part of that is relying on churches such as CCC. When I came here 12 years ago, I was a missionary but I was not, I didn't have any personal uh, funding at the time. But after I left, I impressed one person. I impressed somebody. And they went to the pastor and said, we want to give monthly to Patty and Paul. And since that time, you guys have taken us on and supported us every month like clockwork. I feel that because we gave to the poor, God is paying us back through you. Can you receive that this morning? I believe he is paying us back from you. And then I also want to read Matthew, just one verse, and I'm going to get into our stories in my introduction. But I want to get these verses out there because I think they're pertinent. Matthew 25, you all know this, but we usually pick up in verse 35. He says, for when I was hungry, you gave me food, and when I was thirsty. You know that, right? But the verse before is what really sticks out. Jesus speaking, he says, and then the king said to those at his right hand, come you blessed by my father, inherit the king to prepare for you, from the foundations of the world, for when I was hungry, you fed me. See, it's a benefit. The ministries that we do, we do with you in Atlanta. We're like a conduit. You're not there every day. But because your involvement in your prayer and your giving, giving, you, we're a conduit. You are actually on the streets of Atlanta. And because you're feeding the poor and clothing and giving drinks to those that are thirsty and visiting those who are sick or in prison, this is what the king says to you. Come, be blessed of my father, inherit the king to prepare for you from the foundations of the world. You guys are blessed. God is indebted to you. Oh, Patty and I are here in flesh and blood to say thank you. We get to eat. We get to stay in a hotel down the street. We got to go out and have soup and salad and anything else we want on that menu last night because of you. But really, God is saying thank you for being a mission church. And I want to say thank you personally because of all the years that you have supported us. I want to introduce my wife. I met Patty in junior high school, 14 years old. I thought I was all that. Oh, wait a minute, wait, before I go any further, when I turned around, they're applauding you, I looked around, this is the hairiest church I've ever seen in my life. There's more beards in this church per capita than anywhere in the United States. (laughs) I'm certain of that. (laughs) All the guys with beards are just smiling, the shoulders got pulled back. (laughs) Yeah, for those who so don't have them or you're still men. You're still men. That's it. But I met Patty in junior high, and I thought I was all that. She walked by, and can I tell you what she looked like? Can I tell you? It's still, it's, it's tattooed in my thoughts, my brain. I have this photo of her. She's wearing a blue, light blue jumper. This is in the 60s, miniskirt with a big brass zipper, sleeveless. She has her hair kind of red, and we used to wrap, not we. She used to wrap her hair a little bit, and, you know, a little puffed up and short, but a little bob cut. Wearing white tennis shoes, yeah, we're old, and she had those little white socks rolled down. She walked by, big old eyes, (laughs) and uh, my voice is breaking. And uh, I told the guy next to me, Ken Zaringer, we called him a Searchlight because he had big eyes. I said, Searchlight, I want to meet her. He went and got her, brought her back. We started dating in junior high school. That's not recommended. No junior hires in here. If you have them, we will not tell them that's a good thing. It is not a good thing. Anyway, we went through high school together. She transferred over so we'd go to school together. Uh, we got married at 19. I got drafted at 18, got married at 19, had our first child at 20, had our second child at 22. Now we're in the 70s, living in Berkeley area. What, what do you think, right? So we become hippies. Yeah, not, not tie-dye, long hair, smoking dope hippies. We became real hippies. Those are wannabe hippies. And uh, you can't be married to be a hippie. It's two different worlds. So we separated, like I told you, and God healed our home. Since that time, Patty gave us all together eleven children. We have eleven children. You might know that, but now we're in the multiplications. Now we have forty-two grandkids, forty-two grandkids, and we have our great. Come on, and we have our great grandchild on the way. About another three months. One of our grandsons married a couple years ago. Well, three of them married now, but uh, married and they're having their first child. So we're going into another generation of children. That is sixty-eight. Family members, that's not cousins, that's not uncles, aunts, that's just us, 68. Now, we get asked a lot, is everybody serving the Lord in your home? No, I have two knucklehead boys that aren't serving the Lord. I mean, they're totally backslidden. And that breaks our heart. But when we look on the other side of that coin, we have 66 today in church this morning. That's over 98% of my family of 68 family members serving the Lord and many of them serving in ministry full-time around the world. God has been good to us and I know that because we're living testimony and those two knuckleheads I mentioned a moment ago, we really believe they're going to come back to the Lord. We really believe that. I was telling Pat earlier this morning, Pastor Pat, I don't know if we'll see it, we're getting old, time is clicking, the hourglass is down the little funnel part, you know, but uh we believe that before they pass, that they'll come back home to the Lord. That's our family. And the reason I want you to know this, because it's, it is the foundation of what we do. See, when Patty got saved, she heard a message, you're special. That's what you heard. You're special. And that's where she got saved. The only reason she asked me if I was willing to go home with her, she said, I'll do anything Jesus wants because he thought I was special. You never did. Neither did my boyfriends or my dad, but Jesus did. And I'll do anything for him. It was driven in her because she was special. She'll do anything for Jesus. I tell you that story for me, that they loved me when I was unlovable. And because they loved me when I was unlovable, I have the seed in me to love those who don't look like me today. Those that as Pastor Keith talked about, still a lot slinging dope. Those that are jamming a needle in their arm are smoking a, a straight shooter. Women that are being sold. And some selling themselves just to get a habit fixed. That's why we do what we do. It wasn't some Holy Ghost in, in, uh, invitation or an invitation when the Holy Spirit said, we want you to go into the streets of the hood of a foreign city for us. See, Lana is a different city. It's not like California. Everybody in Cal- anybody from California? Nobody, you're lucky. (laughs) (laughs) You are fortunate. They'll screw up your politics and everything else. But anyway, uh, this is church, I can't go there. Well, I already did, but anyway, you're lucky. And uh, Patty said, let's go to Georgia and do a Dream Center. We're really familiar with Tommy Barnett Matthew Barnett, LA Dream Center. I went to 11, Patty and I went to 11 pastor schools in a row in Phoenix. Uh, four of our boys were on paid staff with Matthew. We went there on mission trips, and that's why we knew about the dream center. She said, Dad, we got to go. She calls me Dad, because everybody else in my household calls me that. She said, Dad, we got to go do a dream center in Atlanta. I said, get behind me, Satan. I'm not going. I don't eat grits. I don't do greens. I don't do a lot of the stuff they do. <laughs> we marry after 18. We, <laughs> you know, no, I'm just kidding. But um, so we moved. Georgia because Tommy Barnett's influence on us, and so we go to this forum and by the way, you said that over 400 students came down? And I know we had an impact because we have a student that came down years ago, and he named his son Truett after Chick-fil-A. <laughs> yeah, I knew he had an influence on you. So anyway, uh, we, we do this because I was loved when I was unlovable, and Patty, and Patty, Found out that she was special. So a real quick rundown. Junior high. Drafted. Married. Two kids. Hippies for a season. Three years separated. Partly homeless for me. Both get saved. <sighs> saved to the bone. And then we have all these other crazy kids. We start going into ministry immediately. Immediately. We did Nursery. I pray for my nursery workers. We only did that for six months. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Your nursery workers, can they hear me? Well, would you just tell them I send my condolences to them? (laughs) Yeah, gosh, it's off. Then we did second grade boys, Sunday school, and then second and third grade. Then we did junior high, and then we did high school, and then we did family counseling because of our marriage, and we did all these other things. But we started immediately because it was something in us we were trying to fulfill. It was like being a crack addict, always going to the next hit, trying to get the best high you could ever get. And we just kept wanting to go higher and higher and higher, never finding our full satisfaction in all those things. Then we become senior pastors. We go to a town called Ruth, California. That was a mission field, though it wasn't a mission church. We went there, 250 people in 100 square miles. Half the roads were dirt. And we had 115 of those 250 people coming to our church on a Sunday. The building was so small, we had to put them on the other side with the speaker. We didn't have any uh, technology. Or in the summer, we'd open our windows and put chairs outside so they could sit outside and listen. And we thought it was time to leave. When we go to a church that's dying, it's got 11 people. It sits a church about this size. It had 11 people in it. We said, well, we'll take it. So we went there, thinking this is going to fulfill us. And it blew up. We ended up having three servers just filling the house. It was crazy good but there was something still missing in us. It wasn't fulfilling enough. It was like, it was like, I keep going to a crackhead. I'm not a crackhead, but they tell me that you're always looking for another high, right? And we're just looking for this other high in ministry. And when Patty said, go to the Dream Center, she had a a vision of what it would be like, because she saw Tommy and Matthews. I said, I don't want to do it, Patty. We'll do it here in Oakland. I literally drove down to Oakland where I was born and I'm driving down there in the car and the Holy Ghost says, don't go there. I got somebody there. I said, okay, okay, okay. Let me go to, let me go to Stockton, the armpit of California. He said, no, I got somebody there. So we came to Atlanta and I drove around Old Fourth Ward. This is the Old Fourth Ward sign. And I see drug dealers out there. We see shooting. Can I just give you a little story? Last Friday, Tommy was going to uh, Merrimack's, a famous restaurant for our Life for the Lost Dinner. We're an AG church for the Life for the Lost Dinner. He's riding his power skateboard. Tommy is our pastor at our church. In fact, he just wrote me, tell Keith, I love you, man. He just wrote me that. And uh, he's riding his power skateboard to go to Merrimack's and he's on Boulevard and he said about 100 feet ahead of him, a car pulls out, this is noon. A Car pulls out, a guy steps off the car, off the curb and pops two caps off at the car, hitting the car both times. Tommy said, by the time he turned around, I'm 20 feet away from him. He said, I just hung on my hang loose sign and just drove around by on his skateboard. It's a crazy neighborhood. Though it's changing, it's still crazy. And we drove around that neighborhood, and my heart started pounding. You know why? We saw young ladies that never thought they were special. Men who were unlovable, all trying to impress somebody else but all being the same. We went home and I got back to my church and it was a lovely church. And it was great. My name was in the paper every week. I go to restaurants, they wouldn't bill me. My kids get pulled over by the cops, they wouldn't give them tickets. Oh, it was lovely. (laughs) And then we flew back out to Atlanta. It was beaten. Seeing all these kids playing in a drug park with no parents. Kids in diapers, no parents. Somebody said, call DFACs. Well, it wasn't DFACs there. It was called, is uh, that DFACs? Okay, DFACs there. Yeah. Call DFACs. They don't come out. They're overwhelmed. I go home again to that lovely church, and I'm preaching a message. Your pastor never does this. I'm going to get to where we, what we do. Just to tell you how we got there. I'm preaching a message on um, Jonah. You know why I preached on Jonah? If your pastor ever preached on Jonah, it's because he didn't prepare the week ahead of time because that's an easy message. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't prepared, and I wasn't prepared for the outcome. And it was our second service, and the balcony's full, and we have a kind of a hood place up there in the mountains. We're up by Lake Tahoe, and... And uh, these guys are leaning over the the railing, and the church is packed. And I said, uh, you know, when you run from God, I said, it's going to cost you something. Jonah had to go down there with his little man purse. If you wear a man purse, you don't have a beard, I guarantee you. Um, He had a man purse, and he pulled out his seashells or whatever to pay his fare. And it's going to cost you something. And then I said, are you prepared to pay what it may cost you when you run from God? And I heard the Holy Spirit said, are you willing to pay? And I went through a couple other things. So I got to this one thing where they were throwing the cargo over that shi- over the ship, you know, trying to keep her from sinking. And those, those sailors were trying to save themselves as Joan is down sleeping in the, in the bow of the boat. And, and those guys, I want to let you know, those guys didn't own that cargo. They were hired to get it from point A to point B or port A to port B. And they were throwing off other people's cargo to go to the bottom of the sea and never to be gathered up again, lost forever. And I said, are you willing to have your valuables thrown over the ocean or over the bank of the, over the side of your ship? And I'm looking at this one guy leaning over that balcony at me. He said, are you willing to throw him over? Hmm. So Pat and I just built our dream house. Service is over, and it was through the woods, about a half a mile through the woods, just a trail. And so we're walking on that trail. And then, you know, she said to me, she had to go twice. She's done this. She said, let's go to Atlanta. I said, get behind me. Satan." it was enough. She says, are you ready to go now? She heard the message. And I don't know if she saw my face sink every time God spoke to me. I said, I'm ready to go. So we resigned our church, sold our house. We hadn't been in it a year. And we packed up and moved to Atlanta. Day one, I met two drug dealers. And I think your pastor and his wife, uh, you, both your pastors had uh, met them. It was Wes and T. And they're on the corner. These guys, one is a supplier, crack cocaine, and the one's a supplier, weed. They don't sell. They sell to drug dealers on the street. And I went up to them my very first Sunday, August 25th, 2003, and I said, man, I need you guys on my team. They said, Pastor Paul, I introduced myself. They said, Pastor Paul, we need you on my team. I said, well, my influence would be a lot better if you two slingers would get saved and tell all these guys on the street well, they never, well, one did get saved, T, and he got off the street and he's a truck driver now. But the other ones, you know what they did for us? They gave us passage. So if we were down there and somebody, a team member gets a camera stolen or their wallet stolen, I just go to the drug dealers wherever that and say, hey man, one of my kids, I just call them my kids because they thought they were all my kids. I said, My kid, one of my kids got robbed, man. They go, Oh, Passport, we'll get it back. 30 minutes, they're back in my office, handing me back the wallets or the cameras. It was crazy. I had a lawnmower stolen. They not only brought the lawnmower back, they brought the thief with them. They said, what do you want me to do with them? I said, lay them on the ground. <laughs> I tell you, we did these things not because we're talented, not because I hate drug dealers. I used to be a drug. Not because we hate homelessness. We, I was a homeless person. Not because we hate sin, because we were both sinners. We did it because it was something in us that was born in us when we got born to the, uh, uh, saved to the bone, because the love of Christ said, I love you, Paul, when you're ugly. And he told Patty, you're special. And that was the only message we had. And Keith is right. I do kiss them on the the cheek. I kiss your pastor on the cheek. I I try to kiss Marty on the cheek, and he said, don't you dare. No, I'm just kidding. And we embrace everybody. Remember I said I don't have to buy any food in that town up by Lake Tahoe. My cops were all my friends. I was a chaplain. I wouldn't tell the captain things they told me in private if they wouldn't give us tickets. No, I'm just kidding. I never thought about that. Could have maybe had some bribery. But anyway, um, now in Atlanta, we have our governor call. I traveled with the mayors to other cities. We have councilmen. councilman. We just had a councilman last Thursday night, a uh, city councilman in, in, in um, DeKalb because we're out there feeding the homeless and getting a guy to lady off the street that night while we're feeding them. And he saw it and he said, we want to partner with you. We have drug slingers who invite me into their homes. Crack dealers invite me into their homes to pray for their autistic son. I had a guy come to our church one day to threaten to rock, shoot me. We had his girlfriend that he was selling. They were both addicts. And he came in to get her, and uh, we, we have security, but they're they're pretty tight, pretty, you know, they're not over the top. And this guy started grabbing her in the four, and I got in between them, and I said, hey, man, you can't do this, said, I want her. she's got to go with me. I said, she doesn't want to go. So we just kind of bumped him out the door. And he goes down my steps, and he said, I'm gonna shoot you, Pastor Paul. I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna kill you. Well, they do it this way for some reason, I don't know. I'm gonna come back, and I'm gonna kill you. And I knew he didn't have a gun on him, so I felt safe. He come back and talk to me. And he'd go up the street three or four steps, turn around, and he'd just do this. So I knew where he bought his dope. So Jeremy, my son, he was a cop at the time. I carry. I carry a 40, and he had a 40. and uh, Nobody, most people in the church don't know I carry, but I just carry. I never banish it. I just, just wait in my pocket. It looks like I have a fat wallet, you know. And, um, and so we went to the drug house. And I will get off the story. Went to the drug house and I said, "Hey, so and so here." And they go, "Oh, what's up, Pastor Paul?" I said, "Oh, he threatened to shoot me." He threatened to shoot you. Yeah. I said, it's "No big deal. I don't. I don't think he will." And they said, "Oh, we'll take care of that." I said, "No, no, don't take care. Because when they might take care of that, they're going to really take care of that, you know." I said, "No, <laughs> no, don't take care of that." And they, so I'm driving around looking for him. And I have Mike, our youngest. Mike was probably 15, 16 years old. He's in the back seat, and we're driving and. And I don't sit on my gun in the car. I put it on the console, and Jeremy had his on the console. And all of a sudden, I see this blackened-out SUV, honking the horn, flashing the lights, big old, you know, like 25-inch tires on it. And I thought, oh, this does not look good. So we pull over, and these four guys get out, all dealers. They had him in the back. They had him flanked between the two guys in the back and brought him up to us. And he's not a big guy. They had him by the wrath of the neck. That's what my mom always said. I got you by the, is the raft of the neck or whatever. And they're kind of hanging on to him. He says, Pastor what do you want us to do with him? I said, "This, this let me happen for a few minutes. And uh, we talked to him, and he cried. He cried Not because he was afraid of us. He was afraid of getting back in that car with those guys. <laughs> yeah. Turn me in, Paul. Don't let, me, let me go to prison. Don't let me be back in that car. I say that because we had one favor in a neighborhood where people don't want to tread. God gave us that property. No matter where we go in the city of Atlanta, if I met him or not, I walked up to a guy and he, says, he said, are you with Pastor Paul? I go, yeah, I'm with Pastor Paul. Goes, we love Pastor Paul. I think, dude, you're looking at me. You don't even know who I am, right? But God has given us the city, not because we're smart, not because we have the best programs, not because we have some type of gifting. He gave us a city because we loved the unlovely. And we told those who didn't feel special that they were special. See, it's not just in the city of Atlanta where you drink sweet tea and they give you grits rather than potatoes unless you ask for it differently. No, it's not just there. It's right here in your city. Oh, yeah, we're missions. We are missions. In fact, AG, Assemblies of God, up until four years ago, never had a church outside of ours for the last 20 years inside the perimeter of Atlanta, inside the 285. Millions of people. One little warehouse building for AG. We're a mission field. And so are you. And your are missionaries. Oh, I, I see the flags and I know that you, over a couple of hundred missionaries that you support and we're blessed to be one of them. And you have an impact around the world. And, and I, I care. I really care that you have an impact around the world. But what I care about the most, that you have an impact in my hood. That you, you have made a difference. Where kids for generations never finished high school are now graduating college. Where women who have been sold since the age of 12, now 30, 40 years old, have jobs and are married and have their own families because of you. I have a video I want to show. Last year, I'm going to give you some stats. Last year, we took, a six, we took 606 men and women out of homelessness and prostitution. I have one short video. It's about four minutes long. This is one of the guys that um, came to Christ last year.
1: So, um, I started selling drugs back in 1986. I started using in 1989. My tolerance increased, like, after two stints of prison terms due to my drugs use. Came back, I lost everything, so I had nothing. I had no foundation, nowhere to stay, and the only thing I had was a habit that was eating at me. So. Um, I did a lot of things that wasn't right, you know, wasn't nowhere near right. I broke broken calls, I, you know, manipulated people, I lied to people, I stole from people, just to get high, you know. So, um, uh, numerous trips to the county. I went to the county so many times to the officers were like, well, we already got your bed waiting for you. We know you're coming back, you know. But, um, like, 17 years, you know, nonstop. I was committed to going to Tennessee. But by me having an open felony charge, they wouldn't accept me. So I went back to the streets. And one of the members of Atlanta Dream Center came into the drug trap and opened her arms and reached out to me and told me that there's a better way to live. And I said, this got to be a miracle. For a Caucasian lady to come into a drug trap and get me out of the trap and tell me there's hope, there's there's a better way, you don't have to do this, meant something to me and it stuck with me. I took the opportunity and opened up my heart to God and I I see changes. (laughs) I see changes. And so, you know, last past three years, I've been, I think, been probably the best three years of my life. For real. The church placement program. They paid for my stay, paid for my treatment, Um, even fed me until I got my food stamp. They sent me food until I got my food stamp. So you know, I used to watch Atlanta Dream Center on a doppel block or every Saturday they go feed. But I was caught up in my addiction, you know, I just run and grab me a hot dog and some beans and thank you, thank you, yeah, I'm gonna come, I'm gonna come to church. But now I'm on the other side of the table. I'm the one passing out the food. So, you know, I think that's a major turnaround. I got me a job with uh, Smoothie King. And uh I worked there and I, you know, I got my own little place and um, you know, I'm just building my foundation and man, I couldn't have did it without the church though. Without support, excuse <sighs> me. Without the support, advice, encouragement, and also lead me to that word. You know, Ecclesiastes 3 says there's a time and reason for everything. So, you know, it's my time to shine. God has blessed me. I hope and pray that somebody somewhere see this, realize 17 years on the street of hardcore drugs that there's a way out. You know, if he did it for me, he can do it for me. Yeah.
0: Three minutes. I want to keep you for three more minutes. I'm gonna turn it over to your pastor, who's younger, better looking, not as strong, stronger. This is what we've done in a nutshell. Hosted thousands of students, mentored and tutored thousands of elementary schools in the hood, rescued and placed over a thousand women out of sex trafficking, placed nearly 4,000 men and women in homelessness and addiction into long-term programs, 600 just last year alone. Served tens of thousands of meals, trucks, loads of groceries, given to family, many tons of clothes, too too many towns, to count, too many tons of clothes to count. And it all because somebody said you were special. And they welcomed me in through the church when I didn't look like them. So now, in the next two minutes, what are we going to do? We're going to keep doing what we've been doing. But there's a couple of projects that we're excited about this year we're doing. One, and we're replacing our old shower truck with a shower trailer to take on the street to give men and women dignity by letting them take showers and put on new clean clothes. Gives us an opportunity about 45 minutes to sit with them personally, not in the shower, we don't go in the five minute shower with them, but everything else. (laughs) 45 minutes sitting personally with them to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. This Christmas, we're doing something totally different. We're giving out presents, but we really want to baptize hundreds and hundreds of people this Christmas as we do our programs out on the street. We're taking that shower trailer, taking the hot water and putting it into a metal tub and offering Christ and water baptisms. We are looking, oh, well, we're looking for another building, but let me share this last thing. It'll take about a minute. I'm partnering with a guy, a friend of mine, used to be our neighbor who came up with an idea to have gift cards for the homeless, $5 gift cards that work only one time at fast food restaurants that we could distribute that people won't have to give cash to a guy who says he's hungry, but he's gonna smoke a stem full of crack cocaine, or he's gonna rig up a shot of heroin. This thing is gonna go national. This is so crazy cool that communities such as yours, when you see a homeless person panhandling, you don't have a lot of them here, but I saw one jacked up on something the other day. When we came into town, he was had a stop sign. Probably meth, but he acted like he was smoking crack. That your community don't have to worry about giving out a $5 bill to a homeless guy, but you give him a card and he'd go to Chick-fil-A. You don't have a Chick-fil-A yet, but when you get your Chick-fil-A, he'd go to Burger King and (laughs) he'd go to all those other places. I'm so excited about this. One of the most exciting programs I've ever been involved in. But the very next thing is that shower trailer. We already have it ordered. Uh, It is awesome. So in in a nutshell, you're special and you're loved, regardless of who you were or who you've been. It doesn't take a theologian to share those things, but it takes faith to believe it. And I pray that you have the faith, each and every one of you, that that is you. And God has designed you, designed you, to do greater things than you've ever done, to find the satisfaction if you're feeling that you're not satisfied in your ministries or what you're doing here at this church, that God will expand your ministries here. Just believe those things. Thank you for listening. You know, we believe God has something amazing in store for you today. And now is the perfect time to take a few moments and pray about what you just heard. If this message spoke to you, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to office at cccmidland.com